0: Sent me a fucking text. He says, "I'll be there in a minute." I have pages of notes. <laughs> I'm it's telling you, Mike too. is a bullshit artist. You you just wrapping up. Day and I night. believe it, says it right there. You don't
1: right have to prove it. I believe it. Yeah, I've met Mike in real Mother life. Fucker, that means you made me wait
0: for twenty minutes for nothing. Here I am with my dick in my hands, waiting for you two clowns. What the fuck?
1: I mean, whatever you got to do to fill the time. But Mike was watching the movie. That's... <laughs>
2: I want to talk about the plane crash, okay? Sure. What about it?
1: I was on it. I mean, in it. I was. I I was in. I was in it. So you were in the plane crash? I mean, I wasn't supposed to be on that plane, but
2: I was on it. And there was this guy who was some sort of like secret agent or something, and he he killed everybody on board. And then he landed
1: the plane. Next thing you know, I wake up. I'm in my room. I have no idea how I got there. He must have drugged me or something. And then I go to April's fitting because I have to wear this ridiculous dress. These other guys, these other agents come. They snatch me up. Next thing you know, I'm in Grand Theft Auto on the I-93. Why are you touching my hand?
2: Because I'm here for you. Christ. Hi, June. guy. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting anything, but I'm Roy Miller. What? This is the guy? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Gosh. This
3: is the
2: guy. This is the guy. I'm the guy. The guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. You are a guy. I'm the guy. The I'm guy. a guy.
3: <laughs> He's the guy. Hello and welcome to the Grand Gesture. I am Michael Denniston, your host and country bumpkin. My co-host Dave, the coastal elite. We take you through romantic comedies or romance and film and try to apply it to our love lives. And most shockingly, with a guest. People actually want to talk with us about such matters. All right, so joining us for this Tom Cruise specific episode is the internet's expert on Tom Cruise, or at least our personal expert on Tom Cruise, Jason Michael of Atlantic Screen Connection. Hey,
0: man, how you doing? Now, now you just outed me as this. I'm so not that. I just happen to like Tom Cruise as much as you do, and this is the reason. Which is too but much. The only reason I'm actually here tonight is because I wanted to make sure. That I'd be on the show where you actually give your meat to Dave for the first time. So I'm logging in just for that.
1: <laughs> okay. I didn't know. It's good to have goals. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You should be here for episode 100. So you got to be patient.
3: We're going to make you subscribe through all of this That's those. right.
1: But we have talked previously about
3: Tom Cruise. You were on another show, movie podcast, of course, that co-hosts original remake and we did two tom cruise films so this time you know we're taking a step back it's just one and on that show we talked about top gun and days of thunder Uh, but i want to give our listeners the appropriate impression that you do not just talk exclusively about tom cruise films on your podcast so let them know what atlantic screen connection is about and where they can interact with you uh well
0: you can find the atlantic screen connection podcast on pretty much all the podcast players of choice the ones that you use and uh, we usually go into deep dives of films We try to bring out a little bit more analysis, try to take uh, venues or avenues that people don't necessarily do, try to apply anything that we learned in school in terms of literature onto the movies themselves. Mike was kind enough to be on one of our recent shows where we talked about a ghost story. And uh, that's it. We have an episode on Mother coming out uh, in about a week's time or two weeks' time. Uh, Probably, I don't know if it's going to be before this. And uh, yeah, you guys want to check out? We do it via seasons. So you'll, uh, this season, season three, we've covered Baby Driver, one of our really good episodes as well. Dunkirk was fun. And yeah, so just check it out. We have a bunch online pretty much sure that you guys will have a fun time looking through that it's a show i host with lee brady from big picture reviews
3: i just want to point out that uh, listeners should check out uh, any episode i'm not on so you can skip the ghost story one you've had enough of me probably at this point presumably for four episodes in so if you've made it to episode five right now you don't need one more thing with me so um i'm checking out for the night dave i hope you got this it's been fun lead us through night and day
1: Thank God you're finally leaving. I appreciate it. All right. So, Night and Day is a largely forgotten Tom Cruise vehicle involving espionage, but certainly a bit more lighthearted than things like Mission Impossible. But let's find out if it was forgotten for a reason, or if it was actually a fun romantic comedy at heart. And more importantly... Let's see if Mike can finally get his Vanilla Sky ending with Cruz and Cameron Diaz he has always wanted. It's
3: not better than my dreams. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, there's Spoiler no chicken
1: alert. soup. <laughs> 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 All right. So the meat cute. Our rogue spy, Roy Miller, played, of course, by Cruz, accidentally runs into June Havens, played by Cameron Diaz. Or was it an accident? It does happen twice within mere minutes. There's a clear attraction between the two, and this continues when they board the same plane. She ends up primping in the bathroom while unbeknownst to her, Roy clears the plane of would-be attackers. The meet-cute is extended after June is very romantically drugged and picked up again by Roy in front of her boyfriend. So does this extended meet-cute work for you? Do you believe this immediate chemistry or is this too dependent on movie star assumption of connection? So Jason, let's start with you. Does this work for you? Uh, yeah, I didn't have any problems with it. I knew what I was getting into when I
0: started Night and Day. Uh, and, I mean, this is a vehicle to kind of bring Tom Cruise back to the all smiley guy that he was at the in the 80s. And so, yeah, I didn't really have any trouble with, with the meet cute. I mean, their chemistry was palpable. We actually saw it in Vanilla's guy, that like, uh, which you guys pointed out a little bit earlier. And so it does go on forever. I mean, we could have made out. Like you know, they could have cut out the plane crash. I don't understand why the hell that was in there for no reason. If he's going to drug her, have her wake up in the bed the next morning, and everything should be fine. You can cut out ten minutes of the film, and you have the same exact point. You're at the same place. So other than that, everything was fine for me at that point.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I understand. We're going to continue to get into this problematic territory with this overlines <laughs> oh, yes, of drugging people. Uh, <laughs> How? However. Sweet. <laughs> uh a word you used as far as the uh, dependency that we have here, I think makes total sense, at least initially. Uh, she is relying on him for survival, at least through the plane crash. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he gets her back on ground and then takes her home. And at that point, it's fine. Now, the fact that we'll find out later that he's sort of set her up and brought her into this, this conspiracy of sorts – yeah, he's he's not going to be uh, become a more likable character. And as Jason said, we're really we're really reliant on previous film history with these two. This this weird. I, I do wonder how many uh, studio executives think they're like these super Vanilla Sky fans out there that it's like, <laughs> yes, they're back for an action movie because finally, it's, uh, I think they I think they may have missed that window like you know nine years later. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I was I was into the movie for the first like half hour. I w- I didn't understand what uh, film twitter was talking about when they were sort of making fun of us for even choosing this <laughs> film. Uh Dave, thanks a lot for previewing our selection because we were immediately getting hate for this.
1: <laughs> it's nice to know people are paying attention. It's good.
3: But I will say that my uh, my enthusiasm drifts and it has nothing to do with our couple here. It is uh, basically everything else. Anytime we cut to any sort of government operative or villain, I am mm. reminded like, "Hey, Cruz and Diaz are really fun together. Why don't we just stick with them the whole time? So no, as far as the setup and the meet cute, I I was into the movie. It's only when we drift away from them that I I lose interest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I actually when I when I first thought about this movie before we had watched it, I just it felt like uh, we're just pairing these two movie stars together so we kind of have to believe it. But I think they both really work well together. And I think, you know, there are there are Tom Cruise haters out there but that man has charisma to, to spare like the second he shows up on screen you get why um why June is into him and it's not purely a, a physicality thing it's not purely just physical attraction it's like that man is charming right away like he you know of course he's kind of setting her up in this sequence but he, he comes across as he's like helping her out you know so you totally buy into and you I think you have to buy into her liking him more than you do him liking her because you find out later in the movie, as you mentioned, he's kind of, you know, using her in certain ways where she is not. She is kind of the innocent in this scenario. And I think it's all carried off really, really well. And there are things that are unnecessary, but that, especially the scene in the airport, like for the movie to start off there without a lot of, a lot of kind of character building, I think it really works surprisingly well. I think if you have. If you have people that don't have the amount of charisma that these two have, like I think this could easily fall flat on its face.
3: I have to give a lot of credit to Cameron Diaz too because I usually really hate when we take a – like a former model here, a beautiful woman and a movie star in her own right and try to play her as like the girl next door. Or like the the normie here, and then yeah. Tom, the girl who Tom works Cruise, on cars. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise is playing Tom Cruise to a certain extent. He's yeah. playing Tom Cruise, action star. So yep. when he shows up, her reaction is almost as if she's responding to Tom Cruise, the celebrity actor.
0: Yeah, yeah, and
3: some of that's really fun. But I I thought you know I'd never seen this until just watching it for this Same. podcast. And I remember yep. the the trailers, thinking like I don't really know if that pairing is going to work. Where she's not playing like. like a spy like a mr and mrs smith type thing like having her play like a civilian i didn't know if that she was gonna make that believable i think she does though i think Mm -hmm. whatever it is she's she's got this sort of nervous energy here that i don't know if i've really seen with her before she's played bubbly and then she's played like really cold and like Mm -hmm. you you think of something like uh very bad things or any given sunday she Mm -hmm. was like ice queen and then charlie's angels she's kind of like naive and childlike
1: that's what i was thinking that was closest uh
3: but here it's more like a normal person who just gets embroiled in something and i i hate when people say uh hitchcockian but she is playing like a version of like the the wrong man character like she's mm-hmm. she has no idea what she's involved in and did not ask for it but now she's embroiled in his plot and she was really good here Cameron diaz yeah. also gets a lot of hate along with tom cruise both of them yes. for
1: whatever reason do you think this is the first time night and day has been compared to hitchcock Maybe ever. No, no. <laughs>
3: I, I think that's just a go-to word with film reviews.
1: Especially with, with a blonde in a main role. Like, Right, right. But that's
0: the thing. I actually got a Alice in Wonderland type vibe, you know, where she's actually wandering into a series of events that she doesn't, doesn't necessarily have any control over. And I actually got uh, a little bit of an African queen vibe and also a charade vibe, you know, that Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant type thing that was going on where you have this guy that's got this suave and he's just taking his lady along. And it's just this action romantic comedy, which is mm-hmm. something that was – I hadn't seen a movie like this in quite some time. I mean, he pointed out Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because my references go back to the, to the 50s. You You're know? really taking but, the bullet yeah. for
3: me on using Hitchcockian. and you threw in African queen, I'm like, "Up, oh, all the hate's can be directed oh, okay. I'm at I'm Atlantic good. SC. <laughs> no one will mention me at all. I can now disappear.
2: Fine. I'll take the hate. Hey there, sleepyhead. How long have I been out? 18 hours. Where am I? My place. We're off grid. No one's ever found me here. Shame he can't stay longer. We got a rendezvous with Simon. He's fine. I figured out his code. <laughs> He's crazy about trains. He used the passport I gave him and went to Austria. You drugged me again, Roy. Yeah. You can't do that! Well, you weren't coping well. I'm not sure if you are awake, if they would have even let you live.
3: What am I wearing? Huh?
2: Bikini. One tropics.
0: How did I get in the bikini?
2: June, I- I've been to dismantle a bomb in the pitch black with nothing but a safety pin and a junior net. I think I get you in that as close without looking. I'm not saying that's what I did, but... Okay. Sorry. Reflex. I deserve that. Hit me again. I won't stop you.
1: All right. So I think from here we'll move to the breakup. So after a few narrow escapes uh, and June is drugged, you know, more than once, of course, for her safety by Tom Cruise, she wakes up on an isolated island dressed in a bikini. After putting together the fact that Roy must have stripped her and put her in said bikini, she is understandably upset. But this all gets brushed over rather quickly. The real breakup happens, I think, when June mistakenly thinks that Roy has been lying and that he is a traitor. Because of this, she allows Roy to be tracked back to the hotel room, which actually ends up leading to Ray getting shot and apparently dying. So how do you feel about both of these breakups? Does – is June acting a little too rashly given the kind of spycraft world she is thrown into?
0: I thought it was weird that Tom Cruise could actually get away with drugging her twice and she's still fine with it. She's okay. I mean he's like this is – he's this – he's – I mean he's an inch close to being a date rapist if you think about it. I mean we don't know what happened while she was unconscious. (laughs) Exactly. And he says also that, you know, while not that I didn't look Uh, while you were naked.
2: That made it so much worse.
1: Like, stop talking. (laughs) Stop Stop it. Dude, that's (laughs) creepy.
3: Yeah, I don't know why the screenwriters there thought, hey, the more we uh, point this out, we're going to smooth this over in some way. I didn't realize it was – I thought it may be a throwaway thing. I didn't realize Tom Cruise was going to bumble around, Uh (laughs) stumble to get to some sort of innocence there.
1: Another question though, does it make it any better that she essentially repays that? Later in the movie, like no, as, as the no. movie wraps up, no, it doesn't make. I don't think so either. But I think I think that's what the screenwriters were going for. Like we're gonna make this a running gag. What's funnier than like drugging someone and stripping them and then putting clothes back on them? Like, ooh, guys, <laughs> did nobody in the room go like, um. This is a little weird. We probably yeah.
0: shouldn't go this route, but I imagine the screenwriters who are like, "But it's for her own good." Ooh, you know, ooh, that's ooh. the way they justified it the entire time. And you're like, "Dude, you're still drugging a woman," which and that's not a good. thing. Let me thing. jump
3: in here and say that, <laughs> please. Part of that, make, part of that, doesn't make sense. Not, not the putting her in a <laughs> what. Let me finish. Not, Michael not not always put, defend Tom
1: Cruise. Always,
3: <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> Look, they do. Ha-
0: oh no! This is screenwriter's fault, not Cruz. I'm a hundred percent there. I like, side. I like that. I agree with that point
3: too. But uh, defending Cruz's character to a point. They do have, and I remember it being one of the big trailer moments where he's like, All right, we're going to do this countdown and then we're going to run like behind, you know, that shelf or whatever while they're in the middle of a a gunfight. And he counts to one and she freaks out and (laughs) should die. She should be shot and killed because bullets just fire. And you can tell uh, it's actually a really funny moment because you don't usually see Tom Cruise sort of wounded or denied in that way, especially in an action film. Like, I'm thinking of like. Mission Impossible 2 where he's like right. he always has the right answer and he throws a grenade and blows up a wall jumps out the building here he's like I don't know what just happened why is no one listening to me like why you know I'm Tom Cruise so I, I did laugh at that moment so what I'm saying is in those action sequences I thought it did make sense for his character to drug her and knock her out because she was going to get herself <laughs> killed like yes. he was like look I just need you to be mobile and safe and then I'll shoot everybody Please yep. don't handle any guns. Don't get yourself shot and killed. <laughs> Putting her in a bikini, and he even says like, "What? You're wearing a bikini? I, my, I, we're my on the head, beach." <laughs> yeah, I I could oh. not wrap my head around why why he was making this little play date with her. Like that's a weird thing, dude. Like if you were married to her, it would still be weird. Like oh, I changed yeah. you into beach attire because you were asleep. What? What, what are you talking about?
1: That is for <laughs> So divorce. that's the point where I jumped
3: off the, the drugging train. I was there yeah. to save her life from bullets. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Not for, to change her I into
3: beachwear. The,
0: the whole drugging thing, I get, it gets to me just a little bit because the first drink he offers her is when he kills everyone on the plane and then he gives her, I don't know, maybe it's a gin and tonic or something like that. So he builds that trust initially where she's been like, okay, I'm fine, right? right. So we're going to get a little hammer and she gives him a kiss and all that. But then after that, he takes advantage of that and drugs her twice. But but my problem is is that after that is the consent that comes with it, and she says, "Listen, don't drug me again, but you can knock me out." Where you're like, "Okay, where's the line?" Yeah. I have no idea. When they're rolling around in the sand, and then she's all fine with it. Yeah, like, oh, he drugged me twice, but look at that smile. I think that's. What the fuck? I think
1: that's the most bothersome part is how quickly that gets kind of swept under the rug. Like she gets really upset, wanders off, makes a phone call, and you know brings hell with her as this phone call happens. and But then after that, of course, it's a situation where they got to survive, but it's never talked about ever again. It's like, oh, well, you saved my life. No. So I guess it's cool that you drugged me and stripped me and put me in clothes that you wanted me in. Guys, no. But what about, what about the second breakup where she kind of betrays him thinking that he is a traitor?
0: Uh, that to me was the most irrational thing. First of all, she can hear that through a window. Which I don't understand. That's one of those things where you have to (laughs) suspend disbelief. You're like, wow, those are really impressive ears, man. But um, the fact that she gets angry at him after everything that he's done to her Uh and because Wonder Woman shows up. Yes. I mean, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You, we have to be able to tell ourselves, okay, it's to protect her that he's doing that. He's not giving the information and whatnot. But at the same time, the way that she acts after that, you're like, how can you be heartbroken after everything this guy's been putting you through? You know, Rodney getting shot in the leg is so much better. He, if he shaved the mustache, maybe he had a second chance, right? But right now, I don't I know. Love after I all love this, the hotter hot not like, being D-. involved here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just get rid of the mustache.
1: A whole different movie. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. I have to agree with Jason. I, uh, I, I had sort of checked out at that point and I, I didn't understand. I feel like if you're making that decision where you don't trust me more, you just want to, uh, wipe your hands clean and say like, I'm not in this business. I'm out. I'm convinced right. he he's a terrorist. I'll believe you now take me home. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't understand. Still remaining some sort of sideline cheerleader or participant here, where it's like, well, I think as a trader, but I want to see how this shakes out. I want to continue <laughs> to be involved. No, I don't, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I also didn't care. I the one big knock for me against this film is that they don't really allow Cameron Diaz to become like an active participant. Like you know, I mentioned the Hitchcockian vibe. That's where it's not Hitchcockian is that you know she she does not get to become Cary Grant ever here right. she's she gets the one action scene on the, the bike where she sort of flips around him and she's got the the guns and he's like you yeah, know give it to him babe but i'm just at that point i'm like this could have happened in the <laughs> middle of the skills. movie why, why is it why did we wait to the end for this to to have this like i want to see more of the couple i want to see more right. of this romance like and you know it, it would be a trope you know it would be you know maybe a woman who's bored with her life who gets you know involved with this this spy but uh, that's a trope that would work when you got movie stars use the tropes. What are you, what are are we looking for? This, this weird nuance with uh, Peter Sarsgaard convincing. uh, It's not convincing at all. He's obviously the bad guy. What are we talking like? Nothing against Peter Sarsgaard, but he is clearly, his name is bad guy, bad guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the big problem with this movie is even though the meet cute works, like we talked about, like we're connected to them right away, but pretty quickly after that, I think the romance loses a lot of steam. Like, I I don't think we understand why she would stick around if she could leave. And we only vaguely understand why he wants to keep her around. Like, I think that all gets explained by the end of the film. But because it's a spy movie, there's all these ridiculous twists and turns. And I think you're right. I think if this movie spent more time Focusing on the romantic comedy as opposed to focusing on the spy craft, I think it works a lot better because you do have these two stars who you want to root for. But it, it almost felt like they were trying to find a way to split them up for the whole movie. Like they were waiting for the breakup. Like this whole screenplay is just angling itself towards splitting these two apart because like I guess things were working too well with this with the with these romantic leads together. And so by the time she leaves, I I I I totally am attuned with you saying you were kind of checked out of the movie at this point because like there were there were points right before this maybe about fifteen minutes before this breakup where my eyes just kind of glazed over I'm like what are we doing why are we <sighs> Paul Dano's in this what is where are what we is happening <laughs> like I don't understand and who is not talking only... <laughs> who am I what am I doing with my life not only I don't understand but like I don't even want to understand like I have no desire to actually connect with the story. So it's like they didn't know yeah. what their strengths were when they were making this movie, which is ridiculous because if you look at – if you look at the trailers for this movie, it's all action and it's all Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Like that's how they sold this movie. And if they would actually made the movie they sold, if they had made – the Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but not, like, the, the, the couples fighting each other and breaking up, but, like, you know, being together and figuring this all out. I think this movie would work really well, but there's just so many wrong turns. Like, the whole the whole middle hour of this movie is kind of a waste, and you're just kind of sitting there waiting for it to come together, and I really don't feel like it ever does.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes downhill a little bit after the highway scene. That was the one time that yeah. I was like, this is actually really well shot. Is super fun. You know, Tom Cruise... <laughs> How how much of a superhero does he have to be? You see that motorcycle just plunging into the bay and bang. He just lands on the front of the car and you're like, what a – you stick the landing, man. That's awesome. He's like, open the door. And he's super calm about it too. I thought that was great. But after that, yeah, it just kind of goes off. There are a few little moments here and there that I thought were kind of fun. You know, usually in a rom-com, you're going to have one of those moments where you're going to meet the parents. Mm -hmm. You know, the individual and all that. And the fact that he actually sends – June to meet the knights, I thought was a kind of a indication that oh, when you see his picture, it's like oh, he's actually sending her to meet his parents in a way so that he can get that out of the way, you know. So it's a very odd way, very I won't say subversive way, but it's a very odd way of actually meeting someone's parents if you want. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like, oh, well, you know what? I-, I think that maybe we got a good vibe. Maybe it's time for you to meet my parents. They don't know I'm alive, but <laughs> I'll send you over there to, to, to make sure that at least you know I'm a good guy.
3: There's pictures of me and a Boy Scout. Yeah, it's, it's just slightly odd, Jason. There's, there's, there's a segment in the show where Dave or myself will ask the question like, so what can we take from our lives here? Like anything, anything <laughs> that we're reminded of? And that's not an instance where I've ever met uh, – You know, a young lady's parents like after her fake after she faked her death? (laughs) Yeah. After she (laughs)
1: elvised you? Yeah, no. It doesn't
3: But I do wish the movie had highlighted a little bit more of that, like, if we're gonna Mm -hmm. play this as more of a rom com that he is Deranged, and he's deranged due to his life experience. Like,
2: uh-huh. like Jason's saying, yeah.
3: how calm he is at being an action hero. That's why I like this. I like this as Tom Cruise the movie. I like this as like uh-huh. he has right. lived this life for so long that this is just how the world operates. And he he finally meets a normal person <laughs> that is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. And I thought they were going to play that up more, and they they start to. But yeah, it is kind of like after the highway sequence. Like the more we get government spooks coming and talking it's just a buzzkill i was like i just i actually just wanted her to live this story just with him as her counterpart and so she has to take it at face value like you know is is this how the world operates like if i'm with this guy this is what life will be like (laughs) i didn't didn't want to get i didn't want to ever retreat back to some office or some cubicle where they say no no he's actually a terrorist or he's a traitor right it's dull
1: and it's also like a weirdly known cast in all these spooks. Like, all these people you recognize keep popping up, which immediately, like, just took me out of, of any moment that there was possibly going to be there. And it just, again, like you mentioned, Mike, made me want to get back to our two main characters because that's what this should be about. You know, I, I think it gets needless, needlessly convoluted.
3: I did make a note of uh, Paul Dino's uh, attempt at whiskers. Like, Ooh, I, I didn't know if it's that a bad was a like, gag. Oh, was that Ooh. a joke? What, what is that? I didn't understand I just think that.
1: that's that's what he can grow. I think that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was definitely distracting. I know that. Yes, for sure. All right. So from here, we will move to the grand gesture. So as Jason, you mentioned, after you know doing some research and finding Roy's parents, June ends up believing that Roy is alive. Her grand gesture involves posing as an important person in this ridiculously convoluted spy plot and ends up getting herself captured and then injected with truth serum because, you know, being drugged by Tom Cruise wasn't enough. We have to have it happen one more time. Um, And then she goes off to find and rescue Roy. So is her ability to track the situation convincing? And do you think this gesture is effective?
0: I was under the impression that her grand gesture was the one at the end where she actually takes him out of the hospital because Viola Davis. Uh, was going to, uh, have him killed. You know, he, she uses that buzzword. We're gonna be, we're gonna, you'll be safe with us and all that stuff. So it's all language that he told her, uh, to be careful with. And so I thought her grand gesture was that basically having learned everything that she learned from him going through the entire action adventure, coming near the end, she was like, okay, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'll, <laughs> uh, what's the line? I got this, you know, and that's what she says to him. I got this. Everything will be fine. And then she decides to drive down to, to Cape Horn. So I thought that was it. The whole truth serum thing, she seems to be under control, but at the same time, she's completely in over her head. Yes. These guys are planning to kill her. And that was one of the fun instances, I think, that with, uh, with Tony, you know, he has this bull's head on the wall. And how ironic is it that he actually dies in a stampede of bolts? Cool. You know, so there's that real callback that was interesting there. But other than that, I don't know. I thought that the grand gesture was more at the end because Tr- Cruz grand gestures throughout the entire movie. Right. His entire life is grand gesturing for his parents, for her, for anybody that he's trying. Paul Dano's character, Simon. Right. And so. For her to have that little moment at the end was kind of fun. And I thought it was a little bit of a subversion usually because usually it's the guy that saves the girl. In this case, she's actually rescuing the so-called prince or Roy, if you will. Roy is, is French for Roy, which is king. So basically she's rescuing the
1: king, which is interesting too. So is it convincing that she's able to pull that off, that she's learned all this in this short amount of time? Well, there's um, – one of the things I wrote down
0: in my notes was that she's possibly still drugged and this is all a dream. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So I'm, I'm going to take that as a no.
0: <laughs>
1: it's believable in dreamland, but not in real life. I like it. I like how you dodge that, that question. Very good.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go no uh, as well here. <laughs> and uh, I, I wish the film was a little more subversive. I, one thing I like about it, if we're you know if we have to go back to drugging our romantic partner here, uh, I. I thought there's an interesting scene after that where it's like or or maybe another 10 minutes and we're going to have to really reshape the story because there's a lot we can get rid of to get to that point but the idea that you know this is some super spy that you know he he he's so reckless with other people's lives he's very in control of his own safety mm-hmm. and if he wants to save you he can be very much in control of your safety as we can see all these great feats of action and strength that he does with with June but I thought there's something interesting there about this decision that Cameron Diaz's character makes to be as reckless with him as well. Like I'm going to move you around the chessboard, like a, a piece, like you did me. And would this guy who's used to being the guy that causes all the damage in this world and moving pieces around, how would he feel about that? Like, wh- what is the romantic angle there of losing control from a guy who usually always has control? And of course that's the moment movie where we, cue some really crappy song and the credits come up. But I'm like, that's, that's the interesting bit right there. Like, right. What, is, what is their life like after that? Um, so I, uh, I was disappointed. Although the movie in my head, much like the vanilla sky dreams I told you about <laughs> much better. I, I'm just really overall. I'm just really disappointed because I really wanted to stick it to film Twitter on this selection. Right. I Everyone wanted to come out like saying it. I fucking love this. Right. And, uh, for about a half hour, I was really into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think this works either. I think I think it asks us to make a couple too many leaps here in thinking that, that Cameron Diaz Diaz's character has... I mean, this woman must learn by osmosis. Like, that's pretty impressive. Like, she hung out with Tom Cruise for, like, a couple days, and then all of a sudden it's like... Master spy. She a work week. She spent a work week shadowing Tom Cruise, and now she's a she's a master spy. She, I mean, she does. I mean, actually, first... when you
3: put it like that, I believe it. Now right, it now it works. My mind. Okay, that makes good. sense to me. He has that power and that charisma. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, mean, <laughs> I convince me. Dave. I, I think the first grand gesture works a little bit more because basically all she does is put herself in danger. Yeah. Like she you know, says she is someone she's not and then basically she just waits for the car to pick her up and then she gets captured. But the very ending that Jason and you brought up, like, that part I mean, it's cute, it's fun but I was like, I just I can't buy this. I can't buy this moment. And I want to. And if you just showed me the first 30 minutes and then showed me the ending, I was like, man, the middle of this movie must be great. Uh, And I would be very much mistaken uh, because I I just don't think it, it gets there. I don't think it gets her character to that level where it's believable that she could pull this off.
0: I mean, you just pointed out something that's kind of interesting. If you talk about the first grand gesture, she is catering to his capabilities, right? By putting herself in danger. So, I mean, that's a really good point that you raise. So, I mean, In a sense, that actually is a really cool way to do it. If she actually trusts this guy enough and knows his capabilities after hanging out with him for a week work week like you put it, then yeah, that's actually kind of cool. He'll be here. He'll save everything. That'll be kind of fun and we'll be able to – March on
1: into the sunset. All right. So the last thing we want to ask, and this is always tough in a movie like this (laughs) that is so over the top, but I think there's a way to look at it uh, that you could apply it to your own life. Would you ever put yourself at risk for your romantic partner and put the ultimate trust in their hands to help you out?
3: Gee, Dave, you've kind of forced us to answer one yeah, way here. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be a, a hard yeah, no you, on that yeah, one. Yeah, I was gonna say your significant <laughs> others don't listen. There's no pressure here. <laughs> it's funny because my wife said, "Oh, you're doing a romantic comedy podcast. I'd actually listen to that." So I have to be a little more careful with my nope, words, especially do now it, that we're on Brittany, iTunes. Don't do it. <laughs> um, the the amount of trust that they they put in each other, I think, is. Um, a bit extreme. It's I mean, it's a fun extreme at, at times because they're strangers. As the work week <laughs> tag. That's how I'm going to answer. Would I have this much trust in someone in that short amount of time, uh, given the situations they're in? No, I I, w- I would not. But it is Tom Cruise, so that's difficult. Would I put that much trust in Tom Cruise if I met him?
1: Yes, you definitely would. I don't know why, but you would. Yeah. What about you? Jason? I don't know. I, well, let me actually let me
3: make this easier for Jason. What, what sort of trust are we talking about here? Because we've we've talked about this like yeah, date, that's rate, date rate. That's a good idea. A man who has drugged you twice. Guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit extreme, Dave. <laughs> so is
1: Cameron Diaz just a fool in this movie? Is that what's going on?
3: I don't think she's a fool, but she's put in a position where it is life and death for her. Yeah.
0: I I think that the film is kind of mocking what men think expect women expect from them. You know what I mean? We always have to be on point. You have to be there, take care of business type of thing, you know? They even have a montage in the middle of the film where he's swinging and stuff like that, where, you know, usually in a romantic comedy, you're going to have that montage song that Team America pointed out where it's just a, a tune and you see them kind of having a little bit of a fun thing, but it's her just kind of blinking, waking up, seeing he's in certain situations, but he's taking care of business, regardless of whether or not she's awake. So I don't know. Putting myself in danger, it really depends on what the danger is. I mean, no, I'm not Tom Cruise. I'm not an action movie star. I don't drive fast cars, you know. But at the same time, if my girlfriend asks me to taste some weird shit out of the fridge, (laughs) I'm the guy to do it. You know, do you think this still smells good? You know, I have to take out the, the weird stuff that's crawling with mold and all that so stuff. So you're saying
3: that's you, you are susceptible to being knocked out. <laughs> you will taste I love how something. I set up
1: this question like would you trust your significant other and he just turned it around and went like no no I'm Tom Cruise in this scenario I'm the hero <laughs> refuses right, man. Just, to put sorry himself about that. But
0: um <laughs> Hey Les, I my quite they just asked me a question to see if I would I could put my trust in you, like regardless of the situation, life or We're death. Talking Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz bullshit we watched the other night. <laughs> so, what's your answer? Can I trust you? <laughs> <laughs> the silence. Uh, the silence is all. perfect. Says it all. It depends on the situation. That's perfect
1: to be. That is <laughs> all it, right, right there. I
0: love you too, baby. But I'm taking <laughs> notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can trust you.
3: Thank you for listening for another episode of The Grand Gesture, and thank you to our guest. Once again, Jason Michael from the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. Make sure to check out his great show if you want to uh, get a deep dive, a very different deep dive from what Dave and I do here, which is, uh, well, fairly sexual in nature. So if you like that stuff, we are at Grand Gesture Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also listen to the show on iTunes. Please uh, leave us a rating and review, five stars only, or go to followingfilms.com where you can find Dave and my other shows on there. There's a collection of movie podcasts and movie-related writing material for uh, for all of your movie needs. I think it's in short supply on the Internet. So hopefully you'll be back next time. Subscribe, and uh, you'll hear J.D. Duran talking with myself and Dave on The Age of Adelaide.